Well, you know, church, we are in part two of our series, Book of Hebrews. We, we'll be in, uh, we started last week, chapter one, if, you, if you've missed it, that's okay. You know what, what I love about studying or, or, or doing a message series on any book in the Bible? Regardless of which chapter, chapter we're in, you can start right where you are. You don't have to go, oh no, I've missed it. It's not like a TV, you know, we all know what it's like watching a TV series, binge watching, right? You know, you have to watch from the beginning, otherwise you're going to miss out what's happening. The Bible, you can just pick up the Bible and begin to read right where you are and God will speak to you. Okay, so you don't have to miss out if you're, if you're just tuning in for the first time, listening for the first time. It's okay. You can start right where you are and you won't miss a beat. Amen? So good. Who remembers making dumb statements when you were a kid? Anybody remember making dumb statements? Uh, I, I think I kind of feel like some people in this room feel like, what are you talking about? I'm still making dumb statements now, right? I'm still saying dumb things out of my mouth. Oh, my goodness. But I remember... When I was about nine years old, and I remember saying to my dad, I said to him, I'm never going to have a girlfriend, and I'm never going to get married, because girls are so gross. Can you get an amen? <laughs> right. I, I am so glad that I got a better revelation as I grew up. I am so glad that I got a better revelation. Amen? Right? Because you know what? At nine years of age, that... That, that revelation of God as a nine-year-old, that was good for me as a nine-year-old because it's not a good idea as a nine-year-old to get married, right? But I'm so glad that I got another revelation, a far superior revelation, a far greater revelation as I got older, right? Because now I am happily married to the most gorgeous woman on the planet. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus, for the revelation, <laughs> right? And I'm so glad. But here's the thing, I never married Poro because she made me happy. I married Poro because I love her. If your marriage is based upon happiness, then you'll leave your marriage the moment you don't feel happy anymore. Right? Because we feel pressure in every part of our life. Every part, especially if we don't focus on why we do what we do. Why am I in this from the beginning? Why am I in this relationship? If we, if we take our eyes off what we're supposed to, we lose focus, right? We quit. We give up. We quit on our marriages. We quit on each other. We quit on our diet. I'm starting Monday. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, my wife said to me, I'm going to get you a t-shirt that says start Monday. And I was getting great. Don't worry, I'm starting one this time. This time, right? We could on a we could on a gym membership, right? We could we could on all these things. We even could on God. We battle against old habits. We battle against the things that distract us from Jesus. They want to diminish what God wants to do in our lives. So what happens during our difficult times? When we, when we face pressure, when we come against things that, that aren't as nice to go through, right? Our natural bent is to look for an easy path or easy solutions, right? And sometimes, they, for many of us, the easiest thing to do is quit. This marriage is getting too hard, I'm just going to quit. This relationship is too hard, I'm going to quit. This, these studies that I've committed myself to, it's too hard, I'm going to quit. This diet that I'm on, it's too hard, I'm going to quit. 
right? We naturally bent to quitting and giving up. We give up and we miss out on what God has called us. And sometimes we, we turn to other things to, to, because it's a lot easier. We turn to sexual immorality or we turn to overworking or issues that we can't control in our lives. All types of ways that move us away from Christ. But this is what I love about God who loves you, who never gives up on you, his, whose, whose love endures forever, whose faithfulness continues through all generations is that God is always continually moving towards you. And Jesus will say to you, come to me. He never gives up on us. And this is what chapter 2 of Hebrews is all about. Because there is a better way to quitting, to giving up. That Jesus is the better way. To stay focused on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our story, because he knows the way through. So come on, let's pick up our Bibles. If you've got one, if not, it's okay. We've got, we'll have the scripture behind us. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. For this reason, we must pay attention to all the more to what we have heard, so that we will not drift away. For the message, and, and here the message is talking of the Torah, the Torah in the Old Testament, where we, call, we would say the law, we interpret it as law. What Torah means is teachings, instructions. So God, when he liberates Israel from slavery out of Egypt, they cross through the Red Sea and he brings them to Mount Sinai. And on Mount Sinai, God gives them Torah, gives them instructions, gives them teaching that we, we interpret in an English translation as the law. And these, come, these become terms of, the, of his covenant agreement with ancient Israel. So if, if the message of the law spoken through angels was legally binding and every transgression and obedience received a just punishment, how will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This salvation had its beginning when it was spoken by our Lord Jesus. And, talk, and this Lord here is talking about Jesus. And it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distribu- distribution of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. So what, what the writer of Hebrews is saying, he's saying, God had already sent his law through the angels. And look what happened if we ignore the laws. There's consequences, right? When we read the Old Testament, there was consequences when you didn't listen to God's teachings. When you didn't follow the path. God's, it's like the swim between the flags. If you swim between the flags, you, you are going to enjoy this beach. You're going to enjoy all the, what, what water has. But if you swim outside of these flags, you're going to find yourself in turmoil. But hey, the choice is yours. Swim between the flags or not. It's up to you. And what, quite often, you find them, you, Israel find themselves swimming outside the flag, finding them something, they get caught, and, and, they're, and they're all of a sudden caught on the rip until they cry out to God. Lifeguard gets in there, rescues and brings them back. Stay between the flags, and then they go outside. The, it's a cycle that goes on and on. But isn't that so true of our own lives, right? We, we, it happens to us quite often. Yes, yes, Lord, here we are, following you, right? And then we go outside, God's blessing or God's what's good for us, right? And this is, this is what, what, what happened. So people ignore that, right? So, so the writer, he was saying, look, the law, they came through the angels. You know, you know uh, there was consequences if we didn't follow them. Now, he's, now, the, now the writer says, but... But now what happens if we refuse to listen to something that's even better? The law was good. It helped us. It was important. It came for a time. But you know what? Here's a better revelation. 
God's given us a better revelation. It's like when I was a kid. I had, a, I had this revelation at nine that girls are gross. Good for me not to get married at nine. So glad I listened to that revelation. But then I got a better revelation. Amen. And so here, here's it. He's saying, look, the Lord came. It was good. But you know what? There's a better revelation. His name is Jesus. So this revelation that came is, is in fact even more important and more powerful. Jesus is better. Jesus is superior to the law and to the angels. Right? And I love what the illustration that the writer uses. He uses, uses this illustration of dangerous seas. Right? So that we will not drift away. Has anybody ever been in a little motorboat? Little motorboat? It's you got the, you got to, you, and, you know, put your hand on the tiller. You know what I mean? Ever been in one of those before? So imagine being on a little motorboat, and you're stuck offshore, way off. Waves are getting bigger. And what are you thinking? I think it's time to head on back in, right? We, this is what we don't do. We don't do, okay, wow, the waves are pushing. Let's, let it, let it, let's drift into shore. It's not going to happen. There's no guarantees that you're going to drift into shore. You have to have the motor running all the time, and your hand has to be firmly on that, on that tiller, guiding, getting in there. You've got, to, you know, you've got to be determined to get there, right? Otherwise, you're going to drift. And this is what the writer is talking about for us, that this is a warning for us as believers. Just because you come to church, maybe you're part of a Christian family, but if you, if you don't take responsibility for your own faith, you'll find yourself drifting up, drifting away from the safety and the goodness of God has for your life. And we just drifted away from that. And all of a sudden, oh my gosh, where am I? Oh, it's only one Sunday. It's only two Sundays. It's only three Sundays. You know, I used to say that about going to the gym. It's only one day. It's only another day that I've missed. Three years later. <laughs> Anyone know what I'm talking about? Or jogging. I used to jog every single day until I had a break for a week. Five years later, that, that week turned into five years, right? We can drift because we're not focused. We've got to get that motor going and keep moving. Keep Moving forward, right? It, maybe you're here, you're not a believer, and you go, well, hey, what does that mean to me? How, are you drifting in your, your, your marriage right now? Right? Because if you're not heading towards the right direction, you're going to head to a place where you don't want to be in your marriage. Or maybe, maybe are you drifting in, in, your, in, in your work practice? Are you drifting in your finances? See, the writer Hebrews say, don't drift. You've got to be determined. You've got to have your hand on that tiller. Keep that motor going. Don't expect it. Oh, everything. Oh, she'll be right, mate. Yeah, we've got this here, and uh, we all say, "Oh, she'll be right," but it's not always right. See, if you are a Christian, what evidence is there in your life that the message of Jesus is true and powerful? Right? If, if, is any, if you are a believer in this room right now, is there evidence of your life of it, of the power of Jesus? Can you see that? Because if you can't see that, are you drifting away? Are you drifting away? And this is what the writer Hebrews is trying to say. Stay focused. Be vigilant. Don't turn off the motor. Keep it going. Don't drift. Verse 5. For he has not subjected to the angels the world to come that we are talking about. But someone somewhere has testified. What is man... That you remember him, or the Son of Man, that you care for him. You made him lower than the angels for a short time. You crowned him with glory and honor and, and subjected everything under his feet. For subjecting everything to him, 
he left nothing that is not subjected to him. Meaning Jesus is above all. Above all. There's nothing above him. Then he goes on. As it is, we do not yet see everything subjected to him. Right? And sometimes as believers, wait a minute, if Jesus came, gave us a better way through, and there's a and, and, and he Cause us to, that we can step into God's rest now and His mercies and blessing right now. Then why is there still pressure on our life? Why is is it is the, is it still feels like the the world is is still going going in a way that is not of God? And it's, why is all these things still happening, right? But I love what the writer is talking about here. There's, he's saying there's still a greater day coming, and that's our hope. The greater day is still coming. We may not see it, but it's still coming, and this is what we could continue to hold on to. Verse 9. But we do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time, so that by God's grace, he might taste death for, for the good ones, for those who follow Jesus, for those who follow God, who go to church. What does it say? For everyone. That Jesus tasted death for everyone. Everyone. Crowned with glory, honor, because he suffered death, right? So that's go. Wow! So why did so God becomes human, and in the fullness of Jesus, he dies. So God becomes man to die. Now, have you ever asked this question? Why? Why? Why couldn't? Why? Right? Why did he have to do it? reason why is to atone for the sin of humanity. Remember in the garden? Adam and Eve, right? God said, if you take bite of the fruit, you will surely die. Death entered humanity through sin. And you know what? This has been scientifically proven, right? It has been scientifically proven that everyone, 100% of the population, if you're alive, will die. Did you know that? Scientifically proven. Everyone will die, right? means that we will die. And so God, and the Bible tells us that God comes to rescue us from our death. So in order to rescue us from the death and conquer, conquer death, you cannot have a resurrection. You cannot have the resurrection and death to be defeated unless there is a death. Right? So God becomes human and the fullness of Jesus, and he dies on the cross. And he goes down to the realm of the dead. But here's the good news. He doesn't stay there. He conquers death, and he rises again. He conquers both death and sin. So that all those who receive his gift of salvation will also conquer death. And this is what he did, and this is what Hebrews is getting at, right? The law could not save us, but Jesus can. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, the perfect image of the mind and will of God. He died and he rose again, making salvation possible. Amen? Come on. Jesus tasted death for everyone. Jesus tasted death for the people that you don't like. Jesus tasted death for those people that you said, go to hell. Jesus tasted death for the people who hurt you. 
Jesus has died for everyone, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of gender, regardless of social economic status. We have a Savior that desires to rescue everyone. Because we all die. It's like we're on the Titanic. We know how, the, how that story ends. Sorry if I ruined the ending of the movie for you. The Titanic sinks. Jesus comes and he brings salvation. But it's your choice to jump into that salvation. You can receive this gift or you can stay on the Titanic. Because Jesus desires to rescue everyone. The choice is yours. Verse 10. From bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus is the pioneer. You know what that means? What? It means that he is the way. He is the way. You, you know, imagine like an explorer cutting his way through some dense jungle that no man has ever been through before. Dangerous terrain. And he cuts through and he cuts through all this dangerous terrain until he makes his way through to freedom so that others can follow. Jesus is the pioneer of your story. He is the way, the truth, and the life. When you find yourself lost, when you find yourself in the middle of a storm, follow Jesus because he's the pioneer. No matter what you're going through right now, you can stay where you are lost or you can follow him. Jesus says, come and follow me. He's the pioneer and the perfecter of your story, of your faith. Jesus is the better way. Verse 11. For the one who sacrifices those who are sanctified all have one father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. This is talking of the spiritual realm to the uh, Elohim, spiritual beings. And again, I will trust in him. And again, here I am with the children God gave me. Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, right? This is what we all have in common. We all have flesh and blood in common, right? Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death, he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil. You know when Jesus died, the Bible tells us, he goes and he takes the, the keys of sin and death off the devil. He no longer has power. Because Jesus is the resurrection of the, of, and the life. He is the way. He is the good shepherd. He is the doorway. You know, it's really interesting that with all our modern technology, we are still not nearer to getting rid of this fear, the fear of death, than our ancestors were, right? And for many people, it is this fact that enslaves them, this fear of death. Many people are, are, are afraid of dying, right? Especially the older we get. Nothing more than with this pandemic, there was, uh, the pandemic that we've just come through. When we speak, there's a lot of fear, especially amongst the older people. I find the older I get, the more funerals I go to. The more funerals I go to reminds me that uh, my number's up at some stage. Science is, it's been proven right, I will die. Right? But that doesn't, that doesn't grip me with fear. 
Because I know, I know the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. As believers, we have great joy and hope. So when death is knocking on your door, let Jesus answer. Because he is the resurrection and the life. Amen? And this is why Jesus dies. God becomes human, flesh. He dies and he conquers death. And he offers it to us for salvation. Verse 16. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offsprings. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, become flesh and blood, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. See, the writer of Hebrews wants to encourage us to see Jesus as the older brother, but not the kind of older brother that, 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 that says that when you make a mistake, slaps you on the head and says, you idiot, Right? If anybody know what I'm talking about, older brothers? I haven't got any older brothers. I have younger brothers. And I remember back in primary school when I was like my senior, a couple of years, last years at primary school, my little brother who's three years younger than me, comes running to me, comes running to me, and he goes, Ants, Ants, these boys want to beat me up. And I say, hey, stand behind me. And these boys come in, and I go, hey, leave my brother alone. And you know, if you, I was, you're going to have to deal with me. And then these boys go, oh, but... Because, you know, I'm the, I'm the big brother. I'm here to protect him. Then these little boys go, oh, he beat up my little sister. And I was like, you idiot. And I was like, leave my brother alone. I'll deal with him. You know, here's the thing. It happened three times in primary school. Three times. Today, he's a police officer. Hopefully, he's doing a better job. But you know what? Jesus is not the older brother. They will scold you, you naughty boy, you naughty girl. Look what you've done. How many times do I have to tell you? Can't you get this through your head? He does not do that, never does that, but comes to you and restores you, loves you and cares you, and he helps you out of the mess that you put yourself in. That's the kind of older brother we have who loves you just as you are. So in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of unbelievable pain, in the midst of brokenness. Have you ever felt brokenness before? During all chaos that we come across, we have to be careful not to drift away, right? So easy to quit. Because we, we're bent to just giving up. We're bent to look for easy solution. So how do we refuse to get distracted from Jesus in the midst of chaos and confusion? Simply this, run to Jesus and not away. You know, naturally we want to run away. We don't want to take responsibility for our action, right? We don't naturally want to fess up. Pass the buck's fault, right? Pass the buck. It's, we blame other people for whatever happens to us. When God came and said to Adam, why did you take part of the fruit? Oh, it was the woman that you gave me. Pastor the buck blames the woman, then blames God for giving him. Then the woman blamed the snake. Then after that, the snake never had any legs to stand on.
run to Jesus and not away from Him. When you feel lost, anybody ever feel lost at times? When you feel lost, remember, He is the way. Why? Because He is the pioneer and perfecter of your story, of your faith. Don't run away from the one who knows the way through. We need to keep the motorboat running and our hands firmly on that tiller or we'll drift away. It means taking ownership instead of blaming everyone else for what's happening to me. It means that we need to repent, not just say, I'm sorry. In the Bible, to repent means to turn away, to make a conscious decision. I'm not going to keep doing this anymore. I'm going to turn away. I'm going to leave my life of sin that's been, that I'm drifting me into a place that leads to destruction, but I'm making a conscious, I'm, my hand's firmly on this tiller, I'm, the motor's running, and I'm making a conscious, I'm, I'm, I'm heading your way, Jesus. Because your way is better. Your way is good. I'm sorry. You are right. I am wrong. You are kind, and you are good, and I trust you. Come on. He already knows what you've done anyway. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. Because his love endures forever. His love, his love endures. It means it's time, to ha- it's time to have real fellowship and an authentic relationship with Jesus. Man, I don't know about you. I'm tired of being plastic in my Christian walk. Being plastic with my relationship with God. Time to be authentic, time to get real. You know, we can be vulnerable with Jesus. We can be transparent with Him. He's seen everything anyway. And yet He loves you, regardless of what you've done. Here's the thing when you and I choose to follow Jesus, He's going to call you to do things that you don't want to do. But here's the good news. The thing that you don't want to do, it's good for you. It's kind of like trying to get your kids to eat vegetables. You might be an adult here, you don't want to eat your vegetables. <laughs> right? Eat your vegetables. Why? Because it's good for you. I don't like it, but it's good for you. Jesus is going to get you to do something that you don't want to do, but it's good for you. But more importantly, it's good for the world. Because did you know, did you know that, that when you're intentional with your faith and you don't drift away, you are the answer to someone's prayer. Did you know that? You are the answers to someone's prayer. You know, um, years ago, this is going back maybe 12, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, I was a youth pastor. They asked me if I could take a Bible in schools class at this low decile school, like the lowest of decile schools, um, for the intermediate age group. And I was really reluctant to do this. The reason why I was really reluctant is because one, it was out of my way. Two, I, I, I really didn't have much time. And three, this school really wasn't the, the, the group that I was responsible for to, to nurture and pastor. And so really, I thought, man, I really haven't got time for this. I'm not responsible. I'm responsible for these groups, but not for these guys here. So I went anyway. I did it reluctantly. Didn't want to do it. So I go and do this Bible schools class, and I thought to myself, you know what, I'll just stick at it for a year, and then I said, look, I can't do it. I'm going to quit. I gave it a good shot, but I'm really too busy. Anyway, it is like Easter. 
Easter comes, you get given material. And I decided to, I'm not going to do this material. I'm going to give an illustration of why Jesus died on the cross. So I'm giving this, telling this story, this, giving this illustration. Every eye in the class was just stuck on me. I said, anyone who receives this gift, God welcomes you into his family. God welcomes you into his whanau. He welcomes you. And then one of the kids lift up their hand and goes, excuse me, sir, how do we receive that gift? Right? And I have to be really careful because in Bible schools, you, you're not allowed to do a salvation prayer. It's one of the things you get told. So I was like, how am I going to do this without breaking the rules? I, because the work that they're doing in the school is good. They can't break the school's trust. I simply said, look, how do you receive a gift? Someone, if I gave you a gift, what are you going to do? You willingly take it. You can willingly take it or refuse it. So Jesus is giving you a gift. You can receive this gift anywhere. You, in the middle of the school field, at home, and when you're by yourself in your room, anywhere. But you need to make a conscious decision in your heart that Jesus, I, I want to leave my life of sin and I want to follow you because Jesus is a better way. So I just left that, boom, gone. Thinking, great. One other week done, just got another... Um, Another eight more months. <laughs> so I turn up to church on Sunday. And this family walks in, sits down. I'm looking at this family. And I'm just a youth pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm emceeing that, that particular Sunday. I'm looking at, I was going, pretty sure that kid is in the class that I teach for Bible schools. Afterwards, the mum comes and sees me. The family go for prayer. The mum comes and sees me. And they said, you know, the illustration you taught your son, my son came home and told me the illustration and led us all to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We tracked you down to here. I was like, oh my goodness. You know, you are the answer to someone's prayer. God's going to get you to do something that you're reluctant to do, but it's good for you. Not only good for you, it's good for the world. It's better than vegetables even. But you are the answer to someone's prayer. You are placed in a works wherever you're working, wherever you're studying, whatever community you're in. You are the answer to someone's prayer. When you, when you take responsibility with your faith and not drift away, when you say, yes, Lord, here I am, for Jesus is a better way. He's going to put you in places that you want to be, but guess what? You are that answer. Will you say yes to Jesus? and not drift away? Will you be the answer to someone's prayer? Come on, let us pray.